There are moments when it feels like time stands still. But when those moments turn into days, months, years, we start to wonder if life will ever begin again. It is written that there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the sun. Now is the time. Well, hello, church. If I haven't met you before, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here at Christ the King. It is good to be with you today. And so to get started, if you are in the room today, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, it's good to see you. You know, we might not be ready for handshakes yet, but we can still greet one another as humans. And now here's what I want you to do right now. All right, guys, no loitering here. We're actually going to move forward. <laughs> now I want you to turn to your other neighbor, and here's what I want you to tell him. Say, you weren't my first choice, <laughs> but it's good to see you as well. Just trying to, trying to keep it honest here, but... Anyway, I remember the first time that I laid eyes on the house that my wife, Kristen, and I now live in. It was this beautiful day, and I remember driving up, and it was the ugliest house ever. It was blue and pink, but uh, that's beside the point. It had this cute little front yard. We went inside. We were like, this house has got good bones. Like, this has a simple floor plan. Like, I can work with this. And then we worked into the backyard, and we saw that there was this little porch with a nice little view. And then there was a koi pond. And on the far side of the koi pond, there was this small row of bamboo that separated our yard from the street. And I remember thinking, well, you know, bamboo isn't really my vibe, but whatever, we'll just change it, no problem. Then I said the five words that you should never say in that situation. I said, how hard could it be? <laughs> so we bought the place. We were so excited. I eagerly got to work in the backyard, chopping down this bamboo. I had my gloves on. I was listening to praise music. It was this very wholesome moment. I think I had like a tank top. I was flexing just to impress my wife. It was a good time. And I remember feeling really good as a husband and as a homeowner. And frankly, I was feeling really good as a man because I was ruling and reigning over my new domain. Life was good and I was in control. But after about a week, I went back into the backyard and much to my dismay, the bamboo was back. So I looked at my wife and I said, honey, don't worry, I got this. And I put on my gloves and chopped it down. I wasn't afraid of a fight. This was no big deal. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13, I had a verse for it. It's no problem. But another week went by, and I went out back again, and it was still there. And now in the words of Michael Jordan, things were getting personal. So I went down to hardware sales and bought some bamboo poison that I'm not going to go into details about because this is Bellingham. But what they told me to do was to cut down the bamboo at the lowest point that I could possible. So right at the ground level and use this little paintbrush to apply poison to every single stem of the bamboo root. So every day this next week I was out there, I was cutting bamboo down stem by stem. And then I was putting poison on it root by root thinking that this would be the end of the story. How many of you guys have any experience with bamboo just for morbid curiosity? So you know that this was not the end of the story. This stupid plant kept coming back and back and back no matter what I did. I'm pretty sure the poison just made it stronger. I started cutting the stuff out of the ground with a sawzall, but it broke my sawzall because I'm pretty sure bamboo roots are demonic. 
And all of a sudden, this fun little yard project wasn't very fun anymore. And I got so desperate, I started cussing at the bamboo because I heard about this study where people talk to plants and how they talk to them and the things that they said affected the way that they grow. So I was out there berating it and cutting it down with my words in a hope that this would change the trajectory of my summer, but it never did. And I wish I had pictures to show, but as a rule of thumb, we never take pictures of our backyard because one, it's embarrassing, and two, it's a reminder of my failure as a man. And I wish I had a happy ending to this story, friends. I really do, but it's five years later, and the bamboo is still very much alive and well. It's like the cat that came back the very next day. No matter what I do to it, it just doesn't seem to die. And maybe you've got something like that in your life that you can relate. And I share this with you today because I think it's the perfect microcosm for life. So oftentimes, life ends up being so much harder than we think it's going to be on the front end. If you've ever been, been, been married, you know that marriage is way harder than you think it's going to be on day one. And even in friendships, friendships are harder to sustain than you think that they're going to be on the front end. And work is harder than you think it's going to be when you get into your job. But here's what I want to talk to you about today. The fact that life is hard isn't actually the problem. The problem is that we spend most of our lives trying to avoid the hard parts instead of facing them. And when we spend our lives trying to avoid the hardest battles we end up missing out on much of what God wants to do through us. So today we're going to look at this text that actually gives us some insight into God's plan for what we're called to do when life gets hard. But first I want to pray for us, so if you'd bow your heads, Holy Spirit. God, we just admit that sometimes we are at our wit's end. We do not know what to do, and so God, we are so thankful that we have a God who does know what to do, who has a God who uh, has a plan for us, God who goes before us. Jesus, even right now, we just wanna say we are thankful people. Your love is so extravagant and we do not deserve it and yet you lavish it on us. So Jesus, we just say thank you. We center on that core truth. God, that we are loved by you and we are moved. Jesus, we just pray, God, that as a people, we would have ears to hear God, that we would have the boldness to take what you teach us and actually put it into action in our lives because that's how we're changed. That's how the world's changed. And God, that's how people see you in us. So God, that would that be true, not just of us, God, but of our community. And God, would that be a light to this world that needs incredible light? We ask this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen. So we're going to get right into the text. It's Ecclesiastes 3 again, and we're going to read through this verse and just allow it to um, speak to us again. So verses 1 through 8, it says this. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the sun. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. And today's verse that we get to lean into together is this one. It says, there is a time to tear and a time to mend. 
So, so let's just start with that word tear. That word tear in the original Hebrew is a verb, so it's a doing word that literally means to tear something into pieces. And it's a reference to the tearing of a garment, which is how people used to actually grieve in the times of the Bible. So when people would receive bad news back in the day, they wouldn't just bottle it up. They would actually show their grief on the outside. They would actually show the fact that they felt torn by ripping the garments that they were living in. And it was a part of their process. And so when Solomon says to us today that there is a time to tear, he's saying that there is a time to grieve. There is a time to be sad. There is a time to show outwardly the pain and frustration that you feel. He's saying it's okay to actually show that you are sad. There is a time to tear. He's saying that life is hard. You do not have to act like it's not. You have permission, friends, to struggle. And maybe that's the simple truth that you need to hear today. Some of you need to hear it is okay to struggle because this is a part of the process. And that's a really beautiful permission, the permission to struggle, because whether we like it or not, trouble is going to come in our lives. I was looking this week, and it's so interesting because the Bible never says anything about life being easy, but it does promise time and time and time again, repeatedly throughout Scripture, that things are going to get hard. It says in John 16 that in this world you will have trouble. It doesn't say you might, it says you will. So what does that mean? It means in your marriage, you will have trouble. And in your finances, you will have trouble. And in your friendships, you will have trouble. And in your walk with God, you will have trouble. It's not an opinion, it's a promise. And here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that all of life is like that. I'm not saying that there won't be days or weeks or even years where it feels like the wind is behind your back. There will. But here's what I am saying, friends. Please stop being so confused when things don't go exactly according to your plan. Stop being so confused when things don't go according to your plan, your being the main word there, because we're actually called to seek after a bigger, grander, more beautiful, more holistic, and more rooted plan, the plan of God instead of ours. Because here's the secret for you. Your plans will never go according to plan. Has anybody seen this to be true in your life? (laughs) Trouble will come. This is promised to us. Stop being so surprised when life gets hard. It is going to get hard. James 1 even says this. Count it as joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. It doesn't say if you meet trials. It says when you meet trials. It says count it as joy when you meet trials. Not because it'll make you happy, but because with God's help, it can actually help make you holy. And here's the question that's been rocking my world this past couple weeks, and it's a simple question, but I actually want you to think about this question right now in this moment. What do you want most in your life? Happiness or holiness? Happiness or holiness? And it's a little bit harder than you think because it's one of these questions that has an answer that you know is probably right, and then there's the answer that's actually probably true in your life. 
Even though most of us know the holiness is the thing that God is after in our lives, we still live lives primarily looking for happiness. And here's the problem with that. When happiness is your primary motivation, you choose a life that works around hard things. But when holiness is your primary motivation, you choose a life that works through hard things. And in the scripture, Solomon is saying, for the love of God, please choose the road where you move through hard things because that's the road where God will meet you. That is where God is, not in the avoiding, but in the facing that which is true and that's what, that which is hard and that which is tearing your heart. He's saying there is a time to tear, there is a time to grieve, there is a time to feel, there's space for that. That is a part of the process. But know this, my friends, it is not the end of the process because scripture says there's also a time to mend. And so that word to mend is another verb. It's another active word. It literally means to sew together. So again here, Solomon is referencing the Hebrew process of pain. And he's saying that there's a time to tear, yes, but then there's also a time to take what's been torn apart and put it back together. He's saying it's okay to be broken, but I need you to know you don't have to stay broken. Tearing was never meant to be the end of the process. It was meant to be the beginning. It was actually meant to be a marker and a catalyst for growth. But I'll be honest, friends, and this is not the best of news. Mending is not something that we as a culture are particularly good at. I don't know if this comes as a surprise to you. I'm going to talk about one of the reasons why. For me, when something breaks in my life, my first response isn't to fix. It's usually to replace. Yeah, I don't just think it's me. I think this is a, cor a cultural norm. I'll just give you a quick example. Last week was Amazon Prime Day. Anybody else buy a bunch of stuff they didn't really need because the deal was just too good? Okay, just me? Awesome. Cool. <laughs> Leaving me hanging up here. That's okay. Let me tell you my story about Amazon Prime Day. I ended up buying a new set of knives because my old set of knives was dull. <laughs> if you want to know how lazy I am, there you go. But here's the thing. It was $14.99. It was a killer deal. I regret nothing. But here's what I want you to notice. Isn't it interesting that my first response to having dull knives isn't to mend or sharpen the old ones. It's to buy new ones. More than ever, our response as a culture when something tears isn't to mend. It's actually to throw away. Because we live in what's called a disposable culture where things and even people have become expendable. And I was talking to Grant about it this week, and he was reminding me that that's not how things were when this was written. In the original context, when people would tear their clothes, it's not like they could just go and buy new ones. Like, that's not how this worked. They didn't have a target. There was no two-day free shipping for artists and robes. They kind of had what they had. And what that meant is that when they ripped something in grief, they did so knowing full well that there would come a day when they would need to stitch it back together. There would come a day when that which was torn apart would need to get put together again. So as a culture, that was their rhythm. They would tear, then they would mend, and they would tear, and then they would mend, and then they would tear again. That was just what they did. But as a culture, this is what we do. We tear, and then we replace, and we tear, and then we throw away. And that's the rhythm of our lives, and it's affecting you and me more than we know. Friends, I want to submit to you that maybe somewhere along the lines, we forgot what it looks like to mend. I was thinking, I wonder how we would treat our things if we knew that the second that they broke, we actually were responsible for fixing them. 
And I would say more importantly, I wonder how we would treat one another if we knew that we had to mend things when things broke down. Is it okay if we talk about real life for just one second? Because here's the reality. We live in a moment of history where when people don't meet our expectations, instead of finding a way to repair the relationship, we throw them away and find new people who agree with us. When people don't agree with us, we don't work through things, we get new people. And then we wonder why we're lonely. I, I just want to boldly hold this in front of you and say maybe some of you are lonely because you have disposable friendships. Maybe some of you are lonely because instead of working through what's broken, you just throw them away. Maybe some of you are lonely because you have a disposable God. When things get hard, instead of leaning in and actually mending that which has been torn, you instead choose to eject and find something new to worship. Friends, I think we've gotten far too comfortable throwing away the things that God wants us to work on. I'll say that again, and I'm going to get seven amens at least, and then we can move forward. Friends, I think we've gotten far too comfortable throwing away things that God wants us to work on. Because there's a time to tear, yes, but there's also a time to mend. And I felt God putting it on my heart to actually say that if you want strong relationships, you actually have to put in the work. You actually have to go through some stuff together. There is no shortcut. You have to tear and then mend and then tear and then mend and then tear again so that you can actually have a foundation that will last. And if you want a strong faith, it's just as true. You actually have to go through some stuff with God. You have to have a process of tearing and mending and wrestling with God and tearing and mending and leaning back in again because that is the process through which things are made strong. I'll prove it to you. I don't know if you know this or not, but when you work out, that's actually what you're doing. You're tearing your muscles. How many of you guys know the, the process? So when you run, when you jump, when you lift weights, that's what you're doing is you're tearing your muscles. And the way that your body sews those muscles back together is actually the thing that makes them stronger than they were before. You see, this is the process through which muscles are built. But it's not just muscles that are built this way. This is true about our character. This is true about friendships. This is true about our relationship with God. It all gets built through the process of tearing and then mending. And the cool thing about our body is that it does it all subconsciously when it comes to our physical muscles. You don't even have to think about it. But the tricky part is that in every other area of your life, the process of mending is something you have to choose and turn towards and participate in. So your body does this subconsciously, thank God. But in every other area of our life, if we want something to be mended and made stronger, we have to turn towards and engage. Which got me thinking about this story in Matthew 12 where Jesus heals a man with a shriveled hand. And usually when we talk about this story, we're talking about the Sabbath because that's really the backdrop of this moment. You know, there's a bunch of religious people who are trying to get Jesus to heal this man with a shriveled hand because they know that if they can get Jesus to heal on the Sabbath, they can bring charges against him and ultimately get him killed. But Jesus doesn't care about that. Jesus, in the most beautiful way, tells them, you know what, I think you care way too much about rules and not enough about people. And I could do a whole sermon on that, but that's not today's message. Today's message is this. Jesus looks at the man with a shriveled hand, and in verse 13, says this. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored. 
just as sound as the other. And that might not sound like much to you, but here's what I need you to see. Friends, it's not that he healed him, it's how he healed them that matters for you and me. You see, Jesus could have reached out his own hand and healed this man without even thinking about it, but that's not what he does. Jesus asked this man to reach out his own hand, and that would be the way that he could actually participate in the healing process for himself. Jesus says, will you actually stretch it out to me? And he doesn't just ask him to stretch anything out. He asks him to stretch out the thing that's broken so that it could be in the presence of the one who can actually heal. So he's saying, will you actually stretch the thing that you might have all these insecurities about and stretch the thing that you've been guarding and you have walls around? Will you stretch it towards me because I'm the only one who can do anything with it? If you keep it to yourself and wait for a miracle, that's not always going to happen. I'm asking you to actually put it in the open and put it into the presence of the one who can do something. He's saying, will you stretch towards me? Will you participate in this process of healing and mending? And it's only when he stretched his hand toward Jesus that he was healed. You see, I think Jesus is showing us something in this story that the process of healing isn't passive, it's active. That word to mend is not a noun. It's not something that just happens. It's a verb. It's something you do. It's something we do collectively. It's something we participate in. There is a time to mend, but you need to choose to mend. And choosing to mend doesn't mean that we sit. It means that we desperately seek God and actually stretch what's broken about ourselves and put it into the presence of him so that he can do what only he can do. Amen? Amen. So I got to spend last week up in Alaska with my family, and we had an incredible time adventuring with our kids. I brought a couple photos. The first one here is of my daughter, Addie. And uh, you're asking, what does that have to do with the message? Uh, it, nothing, actually. But uh, I just thought, I, I think she looks like Gollum in Lord of the Rings devouring a salmon. That's uh, a waffle with jelly, though. And so uh, now the real picture, please, the next one. This is my family out on a hike. One of the days uh, we decided to go on this hike. It wasn't this one, but this was the better picture, so I decided to do this one instead. But we decided to go on this hike up to a little lake in the mountains. And we were huffing and puffing. I know I was talking a big game earlier about tearing the muscles in the gym, but if I'm being completely transparent right now, that's more book knowledge than real-life reality for me. So... Needless to say, I was working pretty hard to get up this hill, and I had Brooklyn on my back in a backpack, and right in the middle of the hardest part of the hike, this is what she said to me. She looked at me, and she said, why do we hike? (laughs) Followed almost immediately by, I don't like this. (laughs) And I'll be honest, in that moment, I wanted to say, well, I don't really like it either, but you don't hear me complaining about it. Like, come on, kid, now is not the time to call into question why we walk up mountains. We're just walking up a mountain. I'm already questioning every step I take. I'm sweaty, I'm hungry, I'm tired, and I'm not really feeling like engaging in a philosophical story about the merits of hiking. This is not what I want to do in this moment. That's what I was feeling, but that's not what I said. What I said was much nicer. I said, well, sweetheart, we hike so that we can make memories with the people that we love. That's the best I could do in the moment. You know, I was just... This is what I got. I was pretty proud of it. I was like, maybe that will uh, satiate her appetite for a response and I can go back to hyperventilating in peace. (laughs) But boyfriends, was I wrong? She was not satisfied with this response. So she followed up her first question with arguably her favorite question, which is the single word, why? (laughs) Curse the day that that question ever came into people's brains. But I said, 
because I was just digging. I was just like, what else do I have for her? I said, well, we hike so that we can see the view from the top. She said, why? <laughs> he said, well, we hike so that we can see how far we've come. She said, why? So we hike because that's what we chose to do today, sweetheart. She said, why? She said, we hike because hiking is, is good. And I think that she could sense that my answers were going downhill and getting worse and worse because she changed the subject and apparently she was looking at my neck and she could see that I was dripping with sweat and she said, ooh, daddy, you're dripping. <laughs> I said, I am dripping, aren't I? She said, yeah, daddy, you're dripping. I said, that's right, I'm sweating. She said, why? <laughs> and I thought about it for a second. And I was like, I'm going to do my best to engage in this moment. And here's what I told her. I told her, sweetheart, I'm sweating because I'm getting stronger. See, I'm sweating because I'm getting stronger. And she liked that answer. I know she liked it because she saw my sister a couple minutes later and she was sweating a little bit and she said, ooh, Auntie Erica, you're getting stronger. <laughs> and she looked at Grandpa and said, ooh, Grandpa, you're getting stronger too. And even in that moment, I was like, how beautiful is this? I, I thought, you know, this is how I want my girls to understand struggle. Like, this is how I want my girls to understand stress and resistance and sweat and what it looks like to move through pain in life. Why do we climb mountains, girls? Because it makes us stronger. It's not that we love the pain, it's that we love what that pain can produce if we partner with the great physician. Anybody in here tracking with me? The Bible never says anything about life being easy, but that's okay with me because here's what I know about working out. If it's not hard, it's not helping. If there's no resistance, there's going to be no tangible results. And God is in the process of actually shaping and molding and preparing you for so much more than you give him credit for. And every time we avoid, every time we circumnavigate hard moments in our lives, we're actually robbing of ourselves of the opportunity to get stronger. Yeah, I know it's hard. I feel like God sent me here to tell somebody this. Yes, I know it's hard, but you are getting stronger. I can see it when you stretch. I can see it when you sweat. God is using every single drop, and he is actually allowing us to be made into the image that he created us to be so that we can do the work that we were created to do. You are getting stronger. So whatever you're going through right now, maybe it's health, maybe it's finances, maybe it's friendships, maybe it's marriage. Solomon says, grieve it. Yes, tear those garments, feel that sorrow. There is space for that in the process. But don't you dare stop there and miss out on everything new that God wants to produce in you because there is a time to mend. And when we are torn and mended and torn and mended and when we sweat and when we strive, when we actually move, not strive, but when we in God's power move in the direction of the hard, God makes us strong. Yeah, I know it's hard, friends, but you are getting stronger and you have what it takes because you've got Jesus in your corner. And yes, the trouble's gonna come. You can be sure of that, but don't for a second forget the second half of that verse that says, but take heart for I have overcome the world. For I have overcome the world. In the middle of the hard, in the middle of the verse that is a promise that life is going to have trials and challenges and difficulties and resistance, he says, take heart, not because you're strong, but because I'm strong. 
Not because you are good, but because I am so good that I've actually made the decision to be torn so that your relationship with me can be mended. He's not just the God who says or who says through Solomon to Terran men. He is the one who put this process into existence. And he is saying, will you follow me and be made strong? He was torn for you so that you could be mended with him. And he's saying, now it's time for us to not just be torn, but to be mended and to be made strong. So in a minute, the band is going to come out. And scripture says, there is a time to tear. And friends, as we close, that's exactly what we're going to create space to do. So as we close, I want to invite you into a moment where we can actually grieve and feel and ultimately face some of the very real needs in our own community. Because if we're honest, the relationship between the church and the world is one of the things that's been torn. But if each of us can take a step towards the needs of our community, I'm convinced that what was torn can be sewn back together again. And we know that when something is sewn together again, it's made stronger than it's ever been before. So here's what's going to happen as the band plays. I'm simply going to list off five needs in our community, and I'm just going to ask you to simply raise your hand if they break your heart. So if you want to close your eyes, you can close your eyes. I'm just going to read this list. And if it registers, if it connects with you, just raise your hand. Say, yes, that breaks my heart. So, one of the needs in our community is hunger. There are brothers and sisters in this community who are experiencing food insecurity, which means they don't know where their next meal is going to come from and whether it's enough to sustain them. If that breaks your heart, will you raise your hand with me? Another need in our community is the needs of kids and families. There's kids and families in this very community who don't have their basic needs met. And without basic needs met, it's hard to experience any sense of stability or foundation. They're living in cars and tents and couches all throughout the county. If that breaks your heart, will you raise your hand with me? Another need in our community is the needs of the homeless. There are brothers and sisters in this community who have run out of all other options. They've lost many relationships and have had to overcome all sorts of hurdles just to create a sense of security. So if that or any of the associated issues of mental health that actually resonate with you, if that breaks your heart, will you raise your hand with me? Another need in our community is the needs of the disabled. There's brothers and sisters in this community living with disabilities who don't have the support they need to experience connection and to gain the tools they need to continue to be developed into who God created them to be. If that breaks your heart, will you raise your hand with me? And finally, the, another need in our community is the need to support people who are survivors. There's brothers and sisters in this community who are refugees or survivors of sexual abuse or sexual exploitation who need support as they rebuild their lives. If that breaks your heart, will you raise your hand with me? And finally, if you wanna be a part of the solution, will you raise your hand with me? If you wanna be God's hands and God's feet, will you raise your hand with me? 
If you want to stretch towards what's hard, will you raise your hand with me? Isn't that beautiful? Because friends, our heart is never to guilt or shame or manipulate you into doing anything. Our heart is simply to be encouraged by the fact that we share the same heart. We see the same needs. Our hearts are broken together. We have been torn and together we can begin to write a new story, not just about tearing, but about mending. And it just so happens that those five groups that I listed are the five groups of people that our community partners serve every day of the year. So if you raise your hand and say, I want to be a part of the solution, I need you to know this. I have really good news for you. We've done all sorts of work to make that as easy as possible for you to be a part of making a difference in this world, in this community, in the area that God actually pulls you towards. And you just have to take a step. As so much of life, I know we have the best of expectations and the best of ideas for how we want to partner, but we have to take that step because good intentions are great, but actions are better. Our God, our Jesus was not the God who said, man, I would love to do something. He's the God who was crushed so that we could be free. And so today that's what we're inviting you to do is to take one simple step. And for all of these steps, you can see everything at your disposal at ctkserves.org. We've created the steps into three different categories. You can meet a partner, you can serve a partner, you can support a partner. Meeting a partner simply means you get to meet the team who's doing the work, support them, encourage them, see if that's something that actually has space for you, something that God's calling you towards. Serving a partner is service projects where you get to go partner with them to do good work. Supporting a partner is something that we can do even uh, if you're not here locally, if you're around the world, this is something that you can do. You can actually go on ctkserves.org and there's Amazon wish list so you can actually purchase something that they need and you can be a small miracle for these organizations that are actually meeting tangible needs in our community. So oftentimes these needs are so great that we look at ourselves and we look in the mirror and we say, what can I do that actually makes a difference? I love this quote from Andy Stanley. He says, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. And it's kind of riff on a quote from Mother Teresa who says, if you can't feed everyone, feed just one. You know, it's impossible to solve everyone's problems all at once, but what if we decided to solve problems one at a time? You know, it's incredible. Some of my favorite miracles aren't the miracles we do on our own, it's the miracles we do together when we join our hands and we actually say, we are going to be a community, not that just talks about love, but that is love, that decides to make the bold move to take a step. Because friends, there is a time to mend and each of us has a part to play. And let's never forget that the time is now. So I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna actually stand and worship together, Holy Spirit. Would you break our hearts for what breaks yours? And would it not be enough for us to simply be torn and broken? Would we see the part that you want us to play, God in the mending, God of the strengthening? Would we be a people who are not just throwing things away, but God, that we see the opportunity to be strengthened. God, to show your love and your kindness and your connection. Will we be a people who mend? God, for you and for your glory. 
show us what our step is today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as we close, we're going to sing a song called Hosanna that says, break my heart for what breaks yours. And we're going to continue in this process and ask God, what are you inviting me to do? Not tomorrow, but today. And you can go to ctkserves.org and you can find all sorts of opportunities this summer to take one step because we can't do everything, but we can sure do something. And all of our somethings together can make some incredible impacts in our community. So let's stand together as we sing. We're gonna sing Hosanna as a church and lift up our voice. Let's sing.